So Justin, if people were to remember you only by your words, what would those words be? Well, if it was something I was saying to my friends and family, I would tell them to not worry about my legacy. My legacy will stand by itself. Create your own. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I'm not really a man of many words. The people who inspired me the most, the things that left behind aren't words, but creations and artwork, and in our case, ironwork. And, and uh, really, I don't remember my grandfather through his words, but through the words of other people. And that's constantly changing. Ha- just happiness and joy and sorrow that something that they loved, that he created, is gone. And that's really his, you know, part of his legacy. And that's how I want people to talk about me. That's how I want to be remembered. There has never been a moment quite like now. People often say and feel the world is changing, but sometimes I'm not too sure. Is the world changing? Or are we simply for the first time becoming more aware of ourselves and the world around us? These questions led me to create Social Fabric, a podcast aimed at having conversations with thought leaders and explore the ideas that are shaping our world. You know, T.S. Eliot once said, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. My goal is that this podcast has that effect on you. I'm your host, Ramnik, and thank you for being here. think about it, we are all exploring a new frontier. No one will ever witness in the same way exactly what you are seeing in your life. And only if you choose to, can you work to leave something behind that could help those that knew you remember and help those that never did learn for the first time what it meant to live. In this episode, I sat down with Justin Cavalier, the eldest of three brothers that had owned the iconic restaurants in Scottsdale, Arizona, Riata Pass, and Greasewood Flat. In this episode, we talk about the history of his family, his experience with the iconic restaurants, the significance of family legacies, the importance of stories, and the value of remembering them. Enjoy. So, on one side of my family, we go back quite a ways, and it all started with my great-grandfather, George Cavalier, the first, and they came here from Santa Barbara, and what they 
what drew him here more than anything was his brother who had actually been here before then so hmm. the cavalier side of my family came here in the early 1880s wow and uh, when my great-grandfather came uh, his job was to sharpen the pickaxes and all the tools as they followed behind redredging out the canals that the Indians had built hundreds of years before wow and uh, so the canals we see today are actually all you know a lot of people know that they're from uh, the Hopi Indians and all that but uh for his work he was actually gifted two city blocks of Scottsdale which at the time was about five buildings <laughs> wow <laughs> what's funny is because you know we've grown up together like we've grown up gone to school together we became good friends and I like stumbled upon just how deep-rooted your family history is just by knowing you but it was kind of like inadvertently you know like we'd get off at the bus stop for school we'd stop by your restaurants mm -hmm. and I'll, I want you to talk about them too but we'd stop by your restaurants and we'd just hang out and I never really realized until we got much older how important your like that pocket in Scottsdale and the two restaurants in that area was to so many people and it still is. So, um, you know, the two restaurants that I'm referring to, um, Justin um, is a brother of three that owned the restaurants, uh, Riata Pass and Greasewood Flats. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. Um, so really, when you talk about the Cavalier legacy in Arizona, the biggest part of it was my grandfather. Mm. Everything that, when you hear Cavalier, Greasewood Flat, Riata Pass, mm -hmm. those were all creations that, you know, those were all his brainchild, you know. And most of it was just things that he thought was cool and he built and he decorated it. Greasewood Flat was actually his house and he just slowly accumulated things and built things and with his metalworking skills he just created cool spaces and then that attracted people right and then his ideals and his he was you know a real tough person but really tolerant right so he thought if you were a respectful person you were an okay person right. so you're allowed to be around but you're he didn't care that your ideas were you know so far-fetched or anything like that right it didn't bother him right he was much i mean that's something like when you think of politics and everything else it's probably a complete difference in terms of how he handled you know just everyone around him and yeah it, he he had you know rules and everything but more than anything it he one of the more famous rules that Griezmann was is you weren't allowed to curse at the bar hmm and, you know, that's kind of an old-timey rule, but he really didn't care. Right. The reason he had the rule was because one of his favorite bartenders, who was my mom's best friend uh -huh. when they worked together there, he just liked the way that she would handle people. Yeah. <laughs> the way she would enforce the rule was so entertaining for him that he would say, yep, that's the rule. Interesting. But, but personally, he never cared, and he swore more than anyone <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine he was a 
he was on sailing ships in World War Two. He had a, right. quite a unique vocabulary. <laughs> How did you come to learn about your grandfather? Did you have a really good relationship with him? So, um, kind of, I mean, I had as good of a relationship as I could have when I was younger. You know, obviously, you don't, you, you, when you're, before you're, you know, 10 years old, you really don't right. think about history and all that as much. And right. growing, growing up, I actually grew up on the property. I lived next door to Greasewood, mm-hmm. and it was just the normal, you know, this is my ranch, you know, I grew up on, and oh, I got a really nice childhood. Right. You know, got to build underground forts and <laughs> run tractors around and all that stuff, which is kind of unique in this area, in this area of Scottsdale. And, but, um, I learned about my grandfather more through my mom and then later through my uncle quite a bit more. Because mm. uh, a lot of his things were at Greasewood. Can you describe some of the stuff that used to be out there? Oh, sure. Yeah, he he had all kinds of things from railroad ties to old mining equipment from um, the early 1800s or late early 1900s, late 1800s. Wow. Uh, World War Two. <laughs> gun turrets um his blacksmith shop was actually located in his barn um his he had an eye for collecting things and yeah and then he liked to take things and build different things out of them Mm -hmm. like repurpose things Mm -hmm. yeah and make art he was an artist um he could make some very beautiful things and there's examples of it all through throughout arizona yeah yeah, I mean, you you see it, and, you know, um, maybe you could describe a little bit to people that aren't as aware, and I'm sure a lot of people that used to go to Greasewood Flat and Riata Pass may not know much of the details behind it, but um, could you talk a little bit about how those restaurants ran and your experience with them growing up and then where, where you are today? Yeah, uh, so Riata Pass was a originally started in 1955 and it was just uh my grandpa was called crazy because he bought this little pecan farm that was way out in the middle of nowhere and everyone said he you know that nothing will ever be out there and uh, but he decided to open a destination (laughs) touristy steakhouse place and he would work in the blacksmith shop in old town scottsdale during the weekdays and then uh, sleep down there. And then during the weekends, he would come up and make steaks all day at Riata Pass. The blacksmith shop in Old Town you're referring to is, um, where is that? Is it still there? Yeah, the, our blacksmith, our family blacksmith shop, which my uncle still runs today, is uh, in Old Town, Scottsdale on 2nd Street and Brown Avenue. Wow. And that's the one my great-grandfather was homesteaded when I said he got two blocks of cities uh, the city of scottsdale back then that's crazy at the time was barren land but now it's <laughs> it's right like, in the situation in the center between the ballpark osborne hospital right all that but yeah but so, riata pass but when my grandpa ran riata pass for a long time and, and you can imagine he was born in 1916 and he didn't start that until he was you know almost 40 50 years old and uh, so uh, he eventually got tired of doing steaks and everything, and that's around the time my mom and my uncle were 
you know, coming 10, 11 years old. And uh, he decided to lease it one day. And <laughs> so uh, he leased it and he had an extra liquor license. And he said, well, what am I going to do with this? If I don't hang it somewhere, it's going to be gone forever. Mm-hmm. So he picked up, he was working on building a new house out on the ranch. So he picked up his old house and he moved it under some big shade trees that were kind of situated by his old barn. And he started a bar for his friends. And that's how Greasewood Flat came to be. That is awesome. (laughs) I mean, and that's kind of how it felt the whole time. Like, uh, if, I mean, a lot of people remember the place, but if you'd never been there, it was all outdoors. Like, there was the main bar area and kind of like an enclosed, like, walk-in to the bar area. But, like, seating and everything was just open air, Mm -hmm. you know? And there was, like, seating open air, fire pits, and you know, live music, all that stuff, but it was all, it was such a simple, but like, I don't know, like it was a really simple idea or a concept Mm -hmm. and it just, I don't know, it, it, it ran so well. And like, I remember, could you talk a little bit about just your experiences as you got older with the restaurants and whatnot and running or helping running them and well, when I was a lot younger, I used to you know, chase my mom around because she was the manager of Greasewood. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until uh, she started getting in trouble for having her three uh, small children chasing her around a bar every night. Uh, our family was used to a little bit more freedom than maybe some other people got to experience mm-hmm. being out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so rules could be bent quite a bit more back then but um, it wasn't until my mom decided that she wanted to reopen Riata Pass um, and keep it in or take it to the family again mm-hmm. and then that's when I that was my first experience actually how old were you working. then would you say I was about nine years old nine that's pretty that. right that's pretty young yeah yeah so that's when I first started uh, helping. And, you know, for the most part, I was, you know, just running around right. causing havoc <laughs> in this giant old cowboy western steakhouse. But when my mom could wrangle me down, I would wash dishes and, you know, be the bus boy and yeah. <laughs> help yeah. out wherever I could. Yeah, doing the ops. <laughs> yeah. I remember your mom. You know, I miss your mom. Um, could you tell the audience a little bit about you know your experiences with your mom and everything like that growing up yeah my mom was a wonderful person and and uh she really wanted to see greasewood and riata pass grow into something uh and keep it in the family and have it be something that uh maybe one day could be something greater than just two little businesses on a ranch in scottsdale and uh, she worked really hard when I was younger, and and uh, about the time she'd been maybe three or four years into uh, operating Riata Pass, she decided she was going to step back a little bit and spend more time with us. And unfortunately, at the same time, uh, she met her end in an accident at uh, Lake Pleasant, Arizona. Like I, I remember those like those, I don't know what if it was six or eight months where 
you know, we, we became really close friends growing up and, uh, just seeing you go through all that and, uh, the news and everything else, it was just like devastating. And just seeing like, you know, cause we both kind of grew up around here. Um, and then after that, you know, for a while, uh, you went up to Prescott, right? Yeah. When my mom, uh, disappeared, um, Remember, I, I stayed for a little bit, and uh, I was living with my stepfather, and really, that's where things started to unravel for Greasewood and Riata Pass, because my mom was the glue that kind of held it all together. Even though she was kind of stepping back, it was more so just to be an oversight role. Right. And my stepfather, Rodney, was going to be the general manager of everything, mm-hmm. and they were married at that time, so... My grandfather, who was getting quite old by then, he would have been, I don't know, 80, in his late 80s by then. And we're, what, what year are we talking at this point? Probably around 2001. 2001, yeah. yeah. So there was just you know, misinformation and everyone everyone uh, trying to take control. And it was, it was just a bizarre time. And you know, I was 13 years old at this point and told that I there was nothing I had to worry about. You know, you're just a kid. You should be a kid. And uh, so I was kept away from it as much as possible. Right. I mean, I mean, that's just a crazy thing to think back at because you were so young, you couldn't really, you know, wrangle with what's going on, even if you wanted to, with all these, you know, other players and... You know, do you feel like, do you, looking back at it, do you think that's when um, things with the restaurants just started falling apart? Um, I'm not sure if falling apart is the right way, but, you or know. Or slowing down, or did you sense anything? Or, I mean, you were kind of disconnected from it a little bit. How about your brothers? Do you, Can you remember well, anything like that? Well, we were definitely disconnected from it because we were really far away. Right. And we and you don't uh I don't really think I understood what was happening because when you're younger, you had all these people who were you know, not just workers. The culture there was it was more of a family. Mm-hmm. You know, they were friends and family that were the ones taking care of it. So when you when I was told who would be in charge of it, um, you know, you trust that because they've always been there. Right. And but as you get older, you learn um, uh, how much business sense people have. Right. You learn, you know, training for jobs. You learn your own skills and everything, and you learn to see that in other people. Right. So, you know, I I, I can't say I, I I wouldn't have been able to do anything back then. Right. But right. I can see now why things happened the way they did. Right. And. I don't know, from my experience, just mixing, like, family, friends, and business can be tricky sometimes. Oh, it can, yeah, but at the same time, it, when you work with people for so long, it's you just will become friends. Right. You know, and, yeah. and, and then when you work with some, uh, as long as some of the people who worked at Greasewood did, I mean, some, peop- some of them were there for 30 years. Right. You know, that's... Well, and the community still feels so strong, you know, like in recent years, we we were just chatting about, you know, different ideas and whatnot. And you still see the Greasewood page on Facebook 
everyone is super engaged on it still and has such a healthy following and everyone still misses the place so much. You know, it's just, it's interesting. What, what did you, how could you describe, uh, how would you describe what happened um, as you got older and with the restaurants? Well, the biggest issue that we had was when my grandfather um, developed Alzheimer's. Mm. So it came to a point where, you know, you respect, you respect the decisions of, you know, my grandpa built everything. That was all, all his creation. And uh, so what he wants to do with things, you know, right. obviously you should listen, but he was, he, he just started, you know, losing it, mm. losing memories. And, you know, he, uh, it's hard when you see someone you love and respect and care about, forget about you. It's oh. really, really difficult thing to go through. And, um, and then when he passed away, um, that's kind of when it saw the end because unfortunately it coincided with the worst economic recession since the great depression right so like his passing was around what year was that in 2009 2009 so we're right in the middle of all the other stuff we were experiencing in the economy yeah i think those two factors more than anything were uh the biggest reason that uh greece would uh, had to go yeah well i mean it's been gone but it's some, sometimes it feels like it's not, you know. Oh yeah, all the time I uh, I saved the the sign from out front of Greasewood and I put it up across the street in the, my small little holdout area that yeah. that was right across from where Riata Pass used to be. Yeah. And I have uh, people stop and ask all the time about, about it. About it, yeah. Even four years after it's been gone. You know, I've been. It's interesting, like. Um, what used to be Riata Pass and Greasewood Flats, no one would recognize now. Um, it's now just a kind of a high-end neighborhood. But across the road, um, you still have a parcel. And that parcel, like with the water tower, there was an water, old water tower and an old blacksmith shop kind of. A, well, it wasn't a blacksmith shop originally, right? What was that no. structure? Um, <laughs> A funny thing is, I mentioned earlier, my grandfather liked to move buildings around, and these two little buildings that people have driven by up there a lot were actually from Prescott, Arizona. Really? Wow. And they were built in the late 1890s, and my grandpa picked them up and moved them down there because he thought they were neat and they were going to destroy them. So now they're my my storage sheds and my my blacksmith shop, but... (laughs) What's interesting is how much that portion of your grandfather kind of rubbed off on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, now in just recent years, you know, you've started up your own blacksmithing and ironworking business. Like, can you talk a little bit about what influenced you and what got you into just working with your hands like that? And Well, I really think my grandfather had a big influence on me when I was younger but the person who did it more so was my uncle George, uh, and uh, he is the one who runs the blacksmith shop in Old Town Scottsdale. You know, he's ran that for 35 years. 
when my stepfather passed away in, uh, in 2010, I, I honestly didn't really know what to do anymore. My, my life kind of, uh, didn't have any direction and, and my uncle said I could come and stay with him for a while. And, and, uh, and he would get up early in the morning and go to work in the shop and, um, I had only got to really go down there very little. My mom did not want me to be part of that. <laughs> oh, really? Did, my mom did not want me to go down to the and work at the blacksmith shop. Why is that? Did uh, you know it? Unfortunately, that that one died with her. Really? But wow. I imagine she saw more out of me or <laughs> wanted more out of me. Or any, I, don't, yeah, I can yeah. only guess. Yeah. But yeah, so when I went down there and I used to work with my uncle and he was going through, this was after my, right after two, my grandfather had died. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to watch Greasewood and Riata Pass. And then, but I really, really liked going down to the blacksmith shop. Just from from day one? Yeah, I really liked working down there. And I really liked sitting and talking with my uncle because of how many stories he had about not only our family but about arizona about his life he had a very interesting life still does but uh and that's really what um sparked my love and sparked a creative side i didn't really know i had in me uh-huh. and i and then i just nurtured it over the years and after greece would close that's when i really decided that's what i wanted to do that's awesome and now i mean we you have a name for it, Greasewood Forge. You've started to kind of reestablish yourself in that area. Um, what are your plans with that water tower? Is that where you want to start up a, a, your um, your own thing there? Yeah, um, really. Like, there's such a it's such an odd property. There's only so many things I could do. But uh, one of the things it's been a part of is our family blacksmith shop. So mm-hmm. I'm allowed to have a little blacksmith shop there. It's, and um, building my design studio on the inside and hopefully someday a gallery for local artists and paintings and all sorts of things like that. Just a neat little spot Mm -hmm. that people can stop and see because uh, everything else that's around there is either a resort or a home now and there's nothing really original left up there except for that sli- that that little piece of land that yeah. you still got. Yep, except yeah. for my water tower. <laughs> it used to be when you looked north towards Pinnacle Peak from Phoenix, the only light that you would see would be the top of that water tower. Wow. And back in the day, and that's all, even when I was a kid, it, that was true. Before there were homes and Four Seasons and the rocks and all these fancy places. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that water tower was the only light, and we knew that's how we grew or the way to home. Yeah, or get, or get to Greasewood, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, you used to have all these T-shirts and stuff um, and, like, stories on how people would get there when it was literally out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's tons of old maps and stuff of Scottsdale, and you'll see on there it'll sometimes they'll just have an arrow that goes off the map and it says 21 miles north to north. Riata Pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the marker right yeah, there. And that's, <laughs> your, that's how you got there. That's awesome. <laughs> you've kind of gone back and forth over the years, you know, Prescott in here, and you've, you've thrown around ideas of moving. What do you think brings you back to this area? 
Well, more than anything, I think the area around Pinnacle Peak is part is probably the most beautiful part of the Sonoran Desert. It's a wonderful place to live, I feel, and you have, meet some great people. And my part of my family is here, and all my good friends are here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't think I could ever leave. Yeah. It's your spot. Yeah, and, and I like I love what I have now, and I love what I'm creating there, and I, I, I always hope that people will appreciate it and never want it to be, you know, torn down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I don't think I could ever leave this place. What, what does family legacy and what does the word legacy mean to you? So like. Uh, a family legacy is interesting. I mean, you know, by extent, I think we're all legacies of some family. You know, we bring on the best and the worst and the mediocre parts of our family. But in my terms, I mean, I don't consider myself to be anything like my grandfather or great-grandfather, even my uncle, really. Um, they taught me some skills that have been passed down, which is, you know, very cool. Mm-hmm. But you know they're not ours you know they're they belong to everybody it's just our family happened to hoard them <laughs> <laughs> speaking of hoard you've got a hoarding bug sometimes oh yeah that that's that's probably one of our bigger family legacies <laughs> uh we like to collect things and we have a habit of digging through piles for treasure and yeah you know and then uh, cl- uh old things just always have appealed to me and uh i someone who looks back and loves history and but that's part of my um, desire to like take things apart and see how they're made and see how they would have done it and and it's always been a <laughs> you know it's interesting i never even i don't think i've ever told you this before but now that i think about it i know you've always had a fascination with old things and you've you know like you have a coin collection like you, you do all these things where like when when there's something old and it's still standing, like you could go there and spend hours just like completely investigating everything about it. But one thing I never noticed about you before, what I have now, and um, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I feel like you, to understand history of things, you create stories around them. Like... Every time I've thought of, every time you've explained something to me now that I think about it, like about something that you have or something you came across or found, it's always attached to a story. Hmm. And you've created that story by like digging further and who had this before me, who owned this before that and all that stuff. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? (laughs) A little bit, yeah. And uh, I actually have a great example of that. I was... uh helping our other friend Brian move the other day Mm -hmm. and he gave me this box of um, random things to give to Goodwill Mm -hmm. so naturally I brought it home and (laughs) dug through it first and part of the things I found in there were some handwritten notes from some some member of uh, his wife's family at some point in time and um, I, I thought it was really cool that he was a police officer and uh, in the state of Illinois and he had an old badge in there that uh, and I asked him if they wanted and they said no but and 
it has no significance to me, but it says somebody it did at right. some point in time. And, and when I hold it on the wall, I can always tell someone where I got it from. And like, why would you have something like that? Well, I think it's neat because you never know how many stories were behind this badge. Uh-huh. And someday, you, you know, whether it's Brian's kids or maybe even his grandkids might want to know more about their family line. I'd say I could... I have this for I can keep it for them, you know, someday, even though wow. they didn't particularly want it. But right. <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes when I talk to you, it, it makes me appreciate history of things more than it makes me feel like I, I could do a better job at being more cognizant of it because you're right. Like we use things like objects and stuff to store memories of things that have happened because otherwise it's like you know how do you keep track of everything how do you keep track of this uncle did that and this and that like if you have objects there to kind of be a prompt like oh yeah that's when that happened and you know it, it kind of almost functions as a tool to remember these things yeah and you have to find the balance and you have to realize how many stories you can keep in one room and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i think that's the case i think uh uh, like people love the greasewood flat bar sign that sits out front right but is that the original sign no, no. And, and what i like to tell people is sitting in the back of my office now there's a wooden sign that looks just like it was just hacked out with a chisel and a router and, and uh that's the original greasewood bar sign wow and hardly anyone that i've ever met would recognize it really but the significance you know the the big sign is significant to many people, but if I had to choose whether I had one or the other, I would keep my old little wooden sign that just doesn't even say Greasewood Flat. It just says Bar. Bar. Open daily. <laughs> wow. At three to nine. Wow. You, you gotta. We we need to post some pictures of this stuff, because I think, like I, I I kid you not, there, the people that appreciated just the community and environment around Greasewood and everything, they still long for it in a way. I feel like every time I see it online, um, I don't know. Do you ever think there's, um, some kind of chance for a reboot? Oh yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, part of it, part of what Greasewood's charm was is just the organicness of it. The, what made it do you think? Really, I I think it was the people. I mean, it was the it's the perfect storm. It was the people. Um, you mean the, like the, the people location. that worked there, the people that came there? Yeah, both. Uh-huh. The people who worked there, the people who came there, the location, and just my grandpa's imagination. Mm. And part of that, too, is just <laughs> it's because it started as a little bar open, you know, right. three to nine, little sign. I mean, it's a very modest idea. And it was, hey, we need a dance floor. So (laughs) my grandfather constructed a a chandelier out of, uh, what was it, three wagon wheels and and all these bent and made of just this weirdest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. But people loved to dance on it underneath it. And then, oh, we need a stage. So he took an old wagon and built a roof for it and then set up things like that. Right. You know just something to do with uh, something he did with all this old stuff he collected and he made it really neat yeah well i mean you never know if it's in the wheelhouse i always i always you know i know we always chat about it 
you know, like, what if we rebooted it somehow, you know, and tried to recreate it? What, what's interesting is recreating it would be difficult in a different sense because it's not like, oh, we need tables and chairs and this and that and blah, 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 all these things. It's like Greasewood was like, there were all these old things that, I mean, you would almost have to find again or, you know, replicate. You know, you'd have to try to replicate it in many ways. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, so what kind of what made Greasewood Greasewood was that my grandfather wasn't trying to start a successful bar. Right. It's not, that wasn't his intention. His intention was to um, just do a little something to keep himself busy, really. In his own mind, he, he had just, you know, leased out Riata Pass, so he wasn't too worried about it. But he just he just couldn't sit there and do nothing. Right. And so we just started building a bar and then adding on to it. And right. then people started coming, so he needed more room. So he made another patio. And then they, more people came. So, oh, well, I'll build a horseshoe pit. Oh. Right. And really, it was just his house and his ranch. And that's what you saw at Greasewood was the personification of my grandfather. Mm. You're wearing one of the shirts right now. <laughs> it's funny, like, you, you talk, do you still have, like, the old designs for all the shirts and whatnot? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> that, that, that would be handy, you know, I'm sure. Do you have, like, um, I don't know, I feel like we should try to do that someday. But, <laughs> oh, like, I would love to do that, yeah. But, I mean, in your own way. I mean, like you described, like, you know, a legacy is this thing where, you know, we, we all have things that are passed down, skills, ideas, and all these things, but you kind of, you kind of make it your own in, in its own way, you know, and it doesn't have to be exactly how it was. It's got to be, it's got to be different, but in the way you want it. Yeah. And let's, uh, hope people like the way I want it <laughs> <laughs> if we do decide to do that someday, but that would be interesting. Yeah, you just need a and freedom to kind of have your own ideas of what you want to build and the time to do it. It's, mm-hmm. And then, you know, today's a lot different than when my grandfather built all that stuff. There's a things just cost a lot more than they used to. Yeah. You know, you can't accumulate the amount of stuff he did for for the same amount of money. Right. But um but you know what? You can still build something with charm and character and dangerous saw blade uh, <laughs> artistic renditions of people and <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah it can be done mm. yeah i think it could and if people want to see that you know i think it's something i can create but i have to be uh, has to be my my creation now and not my grandfather's anymore he left me the tools, you know, and now I gotta, I have to be the one to use them, and there's no plans really <laughs> either. So it's, I have to make the plans, use the tools and stuff. But yeah, I really think I could do something like that that would make a lot of people happy, and it would be my creation. And then hopefully someday I can pass that on and hand someone else the tools. Hand someone else the tools. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was great to sit down with Justin. We could have easily kept going. There was so much to talk about. 
If you found this episode interesting and have a question or comment for me or him, record your voice and email the sound file to socialfabricpodcast.gmail.com or go to the website and record your question straight from your computer. Your question or comment could be featured and answered on an upcoming episode. Again, thanks for listening and until next time, be well.